Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. Let me go ahead and introduce the crew. Guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. Uh, yes, we have a retired FBI agent, Colin Schmidt, on the show with the Cronus Investigations at CronusINV.com. Also, uh, retired Sergeant Jamie Borden with Critical Incident Review. Dot com. Thanks, guys, for being on the show. Yeah, Colin's showing off that bang energy there. Hey, uh, a shout-out to our sponsors, Motion DSP. We have Gulls, GlobalOrdinance.com, GunLearn.com, on Medicare.Live, and we're fueled by bang energy. Now, I'm drinking the uh, the Raging Raspberry Hibiscus Sweet Iced Tea. Yeah, you've got that purple hay stuff going over there, Colin. And uh, So Colin's in, uh, in California, and he's got a, a lot better uh, stockpile of bang energy than than I do since they've got taken over by monsters. So hoping that'll be corrected shortly. So uh, thanks, Bang, for the energy. A shout out to Brian Burns for the free press at TampaFP.com for curing our content. Thank you, guys. And also, Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media. You know, we're streaming the eight locations. No, YouTube's not one of them. Yes, Rumble is one of them. But three of the locations, three out of the eight belong to Red Voice Media, and those three Facebook pages alone have about a million followers. So thanks to Red Voice Media, Ray Dietrich, for helping make that happen, guys. Uh, hey, we got a, a huge lineup today. All good stuff, man. We've got a couple stories with video components that are really... I I, I called David D. Gresta and just to let him know what we're going to... Just because sometimes I can suck him in if I just tell him the stories that go, now he starts pulling his hair out, you know? So uh, what, what hair he has left, anyhow. So anyhow, uh, our first main topic, they have a tendency to be uh, a little deeper. And look, you know, one of our own here, you know, we've got, um, you know, uh, we got Jamie here. Jamie Borden writes an article, criticalinstrumentreview.com. Cops are not superhumans, understanding the experts who explain that. Now, uh, I did I did send uh, Jamie a note saying that he, he should feel free to use the graphic of me with the red cape anytime that he wants to. Uh, obviously, he did it this first time without my permission, but that's okay. But uh, without without any further ado, Jamie, the floor is yours. Yeah. So, in, in dealing um, for for the listeners that aren't aware of what it is that uh, I'm involved in outside of my training component, I've um, become an expert witness, certified by the courts across the country as an expert in uh, police performance, police practices, which is in, it includes a human factors performance, police performance aspect that's related to the decision-making process and how that ties into policy and training and officer's experience and what we look at when we're analyzing, not critiquing, but analyzing an officer's use of force. And what I was noticing is that in the courtroom setting, it's not about the right or the wrong, it's about winning or losing. So what ends up happening is the whichever side, and it's not, it isn't, uh, unbalanced. It's plaintiff defense or prosecution in defense. I've seen both sides play dirty pool to win the case. And what happens is they try to get experts removed from the case uh, who are trying to explain not just the what happened, but how it happened without bringing in counterfactual reasoning, things like the officer should have, the officer could have, or the officer would have if things were different or if the officer would have waited. And so that superhuman component, you know, that when we talk about police officers as a cross section of humanity, we, we look at an officer, let's just break down one component. In many of these things, the, these cases that we look at, the, uh, the narrative is the officer should have done X, Y, and Z to deescalate, to um, create time and distance. The problem with that is, is that officers are not predictors of the future. 
And that's uh, officers are responding to behavior in real time, and they're trying to make sense of that. We talked a little bit about the OODA loop, um, and most of our law enforcement listeners understand what that is. But that observation, orientation, action, and decision is a very rapid occurrence. And the, the, the biggest issue is officers don't have the ability to pause, stop, rewind, fast forward, play again, make an optimal decision. All these things are happening under the compression or the constraints of time. And it, the bottom line is officers are human beings. The bigger issue is in law enforcement, and we end up eating our own. And what we see is uh, an officer who has experience in defensive tactics looks at a, a use of force case where another officer involved may not have that that experience may not have the tenure as an officer may not have the you know the the approach to certain things and they they put too much uh merit on the taser or whatever it is after the first failure of a taser that now becomes experience which now makes that officer better and and so experience is a big part of it however when we're reviewing these cases in in, in many of these instances we're viewing that case through the lens of what we would have done through our own experience and our own training and sometimes that's far greater than the officers that we're reviewing the other issue is and i've seen this more than one time an officer who claims to be uh, an expert in a field gets involved in a critical incident and and their failures are just as apparent as any other officer who's involved in that case you think that you're going to do something different that's called the illusion of ability and i'm going to tell you right now from experience uh you know i had this debate with a sergeant when i was the range master what are you going to do sarge when you find yourself in the ta uh, tactically degraded position of uh, ahead of the b post and that subject presents a weapon well you know what i'm going to do son i'm going to drill my weapon into his ear and take care of business no you're not you're going to recoil in shock to the fact that you've been shot or shot at you're going to struggle to get your weapon out of the holster you are then going to return fire after that subject has emptied a magazine at you because that's two and a half seconds later which doesn't sound like a long time but a suspect can fire a weapon just as quickly as an officer can and they're not trying to be accurate they're just shooting at you they're they've got no policies they've got no parameters and and so that illusion of human ability comes into all of these analyses and and what we really try to do and what i'm trying to do is to prevent officers from eating their own prevent that that stigma that an officer has that they've done something wrong when they've done what they could do and that doesn't mean it can't get better but we have to all understand that officers are not superhuman they are a cross-section of human beings every officer's got a different ability every officer's got a different understanding of the uh, of the incident and let's just take the video yesterday i watched your show the female that was involved in that shooting um she did not expect what was happening there and she's probably not had nearly the physical contacts with individual that you did chip in your career or i had or colin had because women officers are far more effective at verbally de-escalating a scene because they have to be it, it's a physical attribute so when she goes into this scene and her perspective is that she's going to control this verbally and realizes that verbal the verbal components not going to work and now a subject is attacking her with a hammer things go upside down and and i'll tell you what was most impressive is she never gave up the fight um and and she stayed engaged and that that to me is impressive and look 
we we see a video we don't feel the pain we don't we don't hear the hammer swinging through the air i have you see this uh spongebob band-aid on my hand i got my hand stuck in the mechanical fan of my race car and it hurt so bad and was bleeding so bad i literally almost lost consciousness now and i'm thinking about that when i when i scan back to that video where that female officer was struck with a hammer under the consequences of life and death decisions, you have to think about that reality when you start to, to counterfactually reason what you would have done in that incident. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I have a ton of experience as an officer. I've been shot at. I've been stabbed. I've been in all those scenarios. And I, today, don't know what I would do until I do it. And that's the reality. I hope that I'm going to do the right thing, and, and I hope that it's got a good outcome. I can tell you two things for sure. Somebody's going to get hurt, and I'm going to fight till the death. That's the two things that I know are going to happen, but I don't know how they're going to unfold. So to avoid eating our own, I wanted to put this article out there and let people know that there are experts that are explaining these components right down to the wire, right, about, about what officers are experiencing and, and perception issues and focus of attention and situational awareness and how that can fade away as soon as we're drawn into uh, a particular visual stimulus that's consequential to that officer's life and death. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, questions from the jury. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Colin, do you have any? You have anything or? No, I, I just really appreciate your perspective. And uh, I was a training agent, for lack of a better term, in the FBI. It's kind of a pejorative because agents don't get much training at the academy. But uh, what I under, what I saw over and over again is the lack of management of risk. So just something as simple as walking to a door and knocking on a door and where to stand and where and how to interact with that person and how they, they don't teach that nor do the senior agents teach that and then the other thing that I saw over and over again was the management of pain I had the benefit of playing rugby for 15 years so I got pretty good at managing pain but when I say managing pain, I would tell the tra trainees, you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And not only physically, but mentally, and being able to interact with people that might make you uncomfortable. But I really, really appreciate your perspective, Jamie. It is spot on. Yeah, and, and it's, I'll tell you too, Colin and Chip both, this is, it's very easy for officers with experience to look at a scenario through their own lens. And, and it's very easy to, you know, to make a comment about the failures in that scenario. And when we look at what happened particularly, it's even easier to find those failures. What I try to focus on is why. Why did that occur? What's the reason? What's the mindset of the officer? And we're going to find, and, and I'll tell you um, definitively that, that the officer involved in that, the, that female officer who did a a, a fine job of staying in the fight, in my opinion. I love to see that that engagement, and we hear the screams, um, we we see the hammer flying, and and if you really put yourself into that scenario, um, that's it's a hard place for any officer to be. What I'm really trying to do, and what I as an as an analyst and a use of force expert, I make the point that I will take a case to educate the jury and the attorneys. And that's it. I'm not taking it to win the case. I'm taking it to make some clarifications. All right, guys. Hey, time for a first commercial break, but we will be right back. All right, guys. Motion DSP. They've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for the robust speed of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. 
Now, Motion DSP software is easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automating tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters to achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. Now, Spotlight is specifically for redaction. It's designed to work with video from any camera source, and using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, and it saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame redaction and forensic enhancement software that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using patented super-resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can actually get forensically valid evidence from just low-quality video in minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products and capabilities by simply going to motiondsp.com, motiondsp.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, uh, Jamie uh, wrote an article that we've been talking about as far as, uh, yeah, they, it, it kind of starts off. Everybody thinks, you know, cops have like these superhuman, you know, capabilities and stuff. And, and especially the other side that tries to hold us accountable do. But we really don't. But our, in all honesty, our, our mindset helps put us there. But it's almost a necessary evil. In other words, what I mean when I say that is that it, this is just, this is my opinion, by the way, too. We may not always agree on stuff, but we think we're better looking than we are. We think we're bigger and stronger than we are. I mean, look, I'm five foot seven but I think I'm six one, right? You know, and now uh, during my career, I was uh, 184, 185 pounds, good, good fighting weight. But I, you know, as you get older, you can't maintain that. So after, you know, my last year before I retired, I dropped down to 165 and I could actually walk around at that point without being in pain, you know, from my knees and stuff, you know, which is a great thing, you know, but, um, uh, but so, yeah, we think that we're better, sharper and all these things, which help you, you know, do that job. You don't have to have people patting you on the back all the time. You have thick skin. You don't wear your emotions on your sleeve and all these things. But you are you are still human and have human you know, capabilities. and You're going to make human mistakes. And, and Chip, you make a great point. Here, here's the issue. It takes a very special breed of human being to do this job. You have to have a, a, a dedication to humanity, if you will. And, and I, I hate to sound so cosmic, but who else runs into the gunfire for a stranger, right? And I know that you guys have done that. I've been in a scenario, in multiple scenarios where I've had to do that. And after the fact, we sit and think, well, I wonder what I was thinking, right? We, the, the adrenaline rush starts to happen. We fear for our life after the fact, not during it, because we're working, we're getting into what we've been trained to do. And officers do have the training, and however, we all handle things just a little bit differently, and our mindset is a, a, a big part of that. And some people shouldn't be cops, right? We know that. Um, and, and so how do we vet those people out? That's another thing. Listen, we're not superhumans, but, but police officers have to maintain a fairly strong and fortified mindset to even conduct a car stop. It's, it's, a, it's an unknown risk and it, you get nervous for no reason. And, and then you find out that there's actually a reason that you were nervous, right? And that happens to us all the time. We have fear markers. We have things as human beings that we rely on. Doesn't make you a coward. Um, and, and it does drive your decision-making process. And that's what we try to really lock into. That's what this article is about. I, I want to just say real quickly to criticalincidentreview.com. I've got multiple articles in the blog section there. A lot of them deal with these types of mindset issues, policy issues that are based on human expectation and what we're actually able to do. So there's a, there's a couple of good reads in there. Now, now I, and, and Colin, I know you want to go, let me just get this point out real quick, if you don't mind. Um, now, People watching yesterday's show, the story about the female 
and the hammer. Um, and, and look, we don't have to agree. In fact, it's a better show. We don't always agree. So what I, you know, you heard David was very critical of female. I thought rightfully so. I agree with David that she should not be in police work. I think she's a liability to herself and to other guys she's working with. I know that there's a learning curve there, but when you let, and I, and I appreciate Jamie saying she stayed in the fight, but in my opinion, she never should have been in that fight with a guy close enough with a hammer and, and hitting her because she did not use lethal force. But, you know, she needs to question, in my opinion, her being in that job before she gets somebody else hurt or killed. I, don't, I just don't think it's a profession for her. And, and, I, and I do believe, I've been, I've been robbed before I was a, a police officer. I was robbed at night point. You never know, I swear, you never know how you're going to react or do or do something until you're actually in that situation. You absolutely don't. You can theorize, go through all the training, go through even you know, simulations and stuff. You just don't know till you're there. And I get that. But once you're there and you underperform, some things are training issues, you know, that, you know, you, uh, you, you can, but this is what it, it sometimes it gets so serious that the learning curve is, is so high and that the mistake can result in death or serious bodily injury. That's, you know, that, that scares me. And I, that's when I think people need to make decisions to check out before it, you know, they make a horrible decision. But, uh, um, Jamie, we got two and a half minutes and I'm, I'm, we'll move on to the next one after you guys go ahead. Yeah, Colin, I think you had something to say. Oh, no, just on that topic of, of females in law enforcement, uh, FBI has got a much, much different uh, role in law enforcement than uh, street cops or even detectives. But I was training a, a new agent, and she was four foot nine, I don't know, 100 pounds soaking wet. And I remember telling her in the FBI, there, there is plenty of people who can go out and, you know, be physical, and including myself. You know, I'm six foot four, rugby player. But there wasn't a lot of people in the FBI who really wanted to be investigators. So I tell her, that's your role. And if you need somebody to get physical, you got plenty of guys literally lined up who want to do that because they don't want to use their brain. So that, that's what I'm saying is there's a, there's a role for everybody in law enforcement, but maybe there's not a role for that person. I didn't see the video, in, particularly in if there's going to be a physical altercation. So, uh, and then uh, on a lot, real quick point, I was over the civil rights squad in with the FBI. And I would, fortunately, the, the bar to prosecute somebody for use of force in uh, criminally is very high, but civilly it's 51%. So Jamie, you offer a great service to all those, uh, those municipalities and law enforcement officers out there who, who need somebody who knows what they're talking about. Yeah, and it's listen. I mean, we uh, we we learn through application, and I've got you know over ten years of uh, acting as an expert with specialized training, and it is I, I do see the the need for it. <clears throat> and to your point, Chip, the engagement, the time to engage, where we see the guy with the hammer on the video, and where you and I know we would have use deadly force in our minds and how much time elapsed before that attack happened. I don't disagree with any of those concepts about uh, uh, an engagement with somebody who is not coming over with a hammer to give you a high five for a job well done, right? They're, they're coming over to kill you with it. And, and again, when that doesn't make sense to somebody, we see what, we, uh, what appears to us as a lack of engagement. Right. It, it took her longer to make sense of it. And I do agree with you. She may not be in the right place. Yeah, we just got to get producer Jimmy to stop throwing the music. We get in a good conversation. He plays the music. Another commercial break. We got to do something about that. But look, guys, <laughs> our, our second commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, guys, it's time to talk about Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo. And by now, certainly you guys know about the new Gauls. Gauls.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform clothing, equipment and gear provider for law enforcement 
They have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear. And as Captain Brett Bartlett always says, you know, one of our panelists, they have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So if you haven't been to Gauls lately, and I'm talking about the new Gauls because they do it differently, and they've got a huge assortment of no more of these big catalogs because they can't even fit anything in these huge oversized catalogs anymore. Go to Gauls.com slash Leo and check out their offerings, their sales, their specials, and their uniform program is second to none. Even my former agency, we went through two uniform companies, and now Gauls is absolutely killing it with the Tampa Police Department. They even have an office in our second-floor lobby at headquarters. So, yeah, they're, they're killing it. So Gauls.com slash Leo. Guys, uh, check it out and uh, and support them. You'll uh, you'll be glad that you did. Now, that takes us to our latest sponsor, Global Ordinance at GlobalOrdinance.com, and get ready for a coupon code from Global Ordinance. They're your ultimate destination for ammo. GlobalOrdinance.com provides high-quality ammunition for all of your shooting needs, ensuring precision, reliability, and unmatched performance. So for a limited time, they're offering free shipping on all ammo orders that are over $200 using their exclusive coupon code, which just happens to be Leo Roundtable. So visit GlobalOrdinance.com today. Explore their wide selection of ammo. Use coupon code Leo Roundtable for free shipping on your order. All right, guys, and welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. Uh, great discussion, great article. Jamie, thanks for sending that our way. Hey, uh, we're, it's time to cover some stories that have a video component, and we're going to go straight to Rumble.com, our favorite law enforcement video channel called This Is Butter. Actually, This Is Butter is conversing with us on the live stream right now. We have an ambush, guys. This is a wild story, an incredible video. Look for our audio listeners that are listening by podcast and radio. We're going to describe in great detail what's going on so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. And always our shows that are Monday through Friday, nine o'clock Eastern time. We reproduce those the next day at nine in the morning. So less than 24 hours later, you'll see those on rumble.com and other social media outlets. But the only difference is, is that with the produced version, that's less than 24 hours later, comes out at nine o'clock in the morning. The next day, it's going to have embedded video and all the pictures of the good guys, and the bad guys. So it makes for a different way to watch the show. So that said, Fargo police released body cam of a deadly ambush attack, which killed an officer and a suspect. Shots fired, Central, we got shots fired. Central, we got a man with an AK-47, he's shooting at us. We're at the Central, shots fired, shots fired. We got three officers down, three officers down. Send everybody. Stop moving! Stop moving! Put your hands up! Hands up! Hands up! Hands up! Hands up! Hands up! Fargo five, three, four, three officers down. Drop the gun! 
guys, harrowing video. Uh, it's it's always hard for cops to watch these things, especially you know when a fellow Leo gets killed. Um, the North Dakota Attorney General on Thursday, August seventeenth, released body cam uh, video from the officer responsible for shooting and killing the gunman who ambushed Fargo police officers on July the fourteenth, and he also neutralized a wider community threat. This guy had really bad intentions, and uh, and he was brought to a stop early. Attorney General Drew Wrigley and Fargo Police Chief David uh, Zablowski, they held a news conference on Thursday to make public officer Zach Robinson's, our hero, body cam video recorded during the shooting that claimed the life of one police officer and injured two other cops and a bystander. So it shows three officers who are struck by our bad guy, Mohammed Barkat's rapid gunfire just seconds before their hit. And Officer Zach Robinson's immediate response, shouting, hey, hands up, multiple times committing our bad guy to drop the gun, which he identified as AK-47 when he was on, when he advised radio it was going down, and he told him to drop the gun at least six times. So on Thursday, Attorney General Wrigley uh, said that the, that the deceased officer, Jake Wallen, actually did, in fact, fire one shot before he was struck and killed by our bad guy. So he was able um, you know, to get a, at least one round off. But guys, this happens so fast. I mean, you're watching the body cam of the officer that's in the middle of a road. There is an accident call. There's a vehicle, you know, that's uh, no driver, just abandoned in the middle of the road. And you see three other cops on the on the side of the road, which is the same side where the shooter ended up being. And there's maybe a parked car between them and the shooter that they never saw. So these three cops are walking together. And you got the fourth cop who has the body cam that we're watching, and he's in the middle of the roadway. And uh, you, he, body cam shows you three cops walking, turns away, you hear the gunfire. And what it was, that guy with the AK, I'm assuming that it was an AK-47, he takes out those three cops first. Then he gets in the shootout with the guy that's in the middle of the street using that abandoned car, you know, as uh, as cover. So so we already know that one of the officers, the officer that was killed, ended up uh, at least getting one shot off. The uh, On a, uh, July the 21st, authorities revealed that our bad guy, Bearcat, had been planning a much larger public attack. They said that he searched online for articles about mass casualty incidents. And the downtown street fair suggesting to authorities that he intended to open fire on thousands of people that were going to attend that event. His vehicle was loaded with three long guns, four handguns. He had over 1,800 rounds of ammo, and not just any ammo, it was 223. Uh, he had three canisters with gasoline and two propane tanks filled uh, with explosive materials for targeting police. I mean, this guy was a bona fide bad guy. Um, anyhow, that said, you get to watch the shooting, the video. It's intense. Bad guy ends up getting neutralized, and uh, our cop armed with a pistol taking out the guy uh, with a rifle. That was a pretty imp impressive feat, to say the least. So um, that said, uh, gentlemen, commentary. I'm curious to see what you guys thought about this uh, this ambush shooting. I'm just I'm glad that we're able to talk about it. With at least you know we didn't have more than one cop killed. But uh, Colin, no, it's clearly a a planned terrorist attack, and this guy was a terrorist. Uh, it wasn't some spree killing or something where he just had a, a mental breakdown and he went out. He actually had a car full of, of weapons of mass destruction, for lack of a better term. And God bless that law enforcement officer and the cops there. Um, that, and, and to take that guy out with a handgun, uh, there simply is absolutely, I can't even go to the depths of my mind to find any criticism of anything that happened there. And uh, frankly, uh, that, those cops were all American heroes. Um, and and I, I have to mirror that <clears throat> exact thing. And, and of course, being of an analytical mindset, the things I noticed that attributed to that officer's outstanding performance was the tactical reload while he's, uh, you know, attempting to get this person, 
to to stop moving next to the car the way that he and we talked about this earlier chip uh, we we run into issues with officers and radio traffic in these critical incidents where they're putting out radio traffic while they're trying to deal with the deadly threat and it's it's more like they're narrating their own death or they're they're narrating the scenario and and you know i see in this in this scenario with this officer who is gallantly engaging with this threat from a place of very little cover and and still giving commands and still trying to de-escalate and it, i mean it, it's it's an amazing thing to me that officers rise to the occasion like that officer did because nobody but nobody has trained that they've talked about it they've been in a uh, a force on force type scenario where they've gotten some sort of level of compliance um and and they've but they've nothing ever will prepare you for being fired upon with uh, an automatic weapon with a malevolent suspect who is there to kill you and that officer's focus all of the things that you know we talk about and and i'm going to tell you right now this is i'm looking at these videos as if i were a sergeant in a briefing room we download it from the website and we're looking for lessons learned right what do we want to replicate from this what do we want to avoid right so that takes me out of my analytical uh, standpoint so i can just say holy cow great job and uh god bless you for doing what you've done and and don't second guess yourself at this point that officer will immediately start second guessing himself just like other people will and i can i can already see we've got a, a terrorist with weapons of mass destruction in his wares the officer is moving and and with one of the things i looked at was the the subjects laying on the ground somebody somewhere somehow is going to say well he's clearly no longer a threat those shots fired after that and and this is the world that i live in in prosecution or in in uh plaintiff's world and and i i just i think about how ridiculous those claims are and when you put yourself in that officer's shoes um it's it's a harrowing it's harrowing for me to watch it i can't even uh -huh. imagine being involved in it you know what i mean no, and just a quick, uh, exactly what you said about the guy, subject being down. If you take that uh, incident and you place that in Baghdad or Fallujah or whatever, that not only would he would have had all those weapons, but he would have had a suicide belt on him. And, and his objective would have been to take everybody out. So he was a terrorist based upon what was in that car. And the officer did everything correctly. He saved his community, probably saved perhaps hundreds of lives by based upon what he did and in typical fashion the media dropped it oh we're not going to talk about it anymore because we don't have any, any drama that we can stir up so it's very sad state of our society not to not to uh, amplify the good things these cops did but god bless them and and the good guys have a, a win in their column absolutely yeah. couldn't agree more you know, I like the fact that people that don't understand, you know, the radio traffic. Yeah, you know, we see a lot of guys that are in the middle when they should be shooting their gun. You know, they're actually on the radio. Um, this this cop, I I, I pray, I sing his praises because you know you certainly don't want the cavalry to show up and not be aware that you've got an active shooter and the active shooter actually has a rifle. Now, guys that aren't law enforcement don't understand that that's just a game changer. You know, you've got a guy armed with a long gun and and you show up with a pistol or you know, you're a distance away getting out of a police cruiser and the guy starts taking, you know, more cops out because they're just unaware. So, yeah, the cop gave them the necessary information. And we did have another cop that ended up responding at the at the end of the video when this when this um, when they end up going 10 15 
with a uh, with a dead bad guy. But uh, but yeah, and, and and when the cop when our officer was on the radio, the other three cops had already been um, taken out. Uh, they were they were already prone down on the ground, unfortunately. So so he 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 did everything. Oh, there's no criticism. It, it was just a a if if you're going to have to watch a video like this, and if you're going to have to have a cop get killed, and, and he actually he got killed, but hundreds, like Colin said, hundreds of lives were saved because of that. But this has got the ending that you that you want, other than the fact that we we lost a Leo and we had two other ones shot. Jamie, yeah, I, and the one thing I have to add is. Uh, you know, we talk about the 21 foot rule and that that's adjacent to what we're talking about here. One round to fire to stop a threat. How many rounds did it take before that officer was confident that this person was no longer a threat? He'd emptied a magazine and was and was approaching the end of a second magazine before this suspect yeah. was verifiably no longer a threat. To, yeah. I, I want our listeners to consider this, that it's not a guarantee. You can have a fatal round and a suspect will continue to fight for up to 55 seconds with, uh, with the blood remaining in their system and the oxygen in their brain and the malevolent intent to kill a human being. Keep it in mind, it's not one and done for police officers out there. Oh, you're right. Not, not like in the movies. So uh, we have another article at Rumble.com. This is Butter. Body cam shows a stabbing suspect fatally shot by police after he stabs four people in an unprovoked attack. So stand by for that guy's commercial break. We'll be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning, and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offers a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe accurate and competent certified firearm specialists like our panelist captain brett bartlett they provide citations from federal law and atf rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy and their training is approved by major forensic organizations law enforcement agencies and firearm manufacturers since 1996 they've taught everything that leos that's law enforcement officers need to know about firearms and ammunition to all factions of law enforcement now you can start today with online training or you can register to attend a live seminar and you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at absolutely no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. They've got a pretty cool quiz there too, gunlearn.com. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. All right, guys, and welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. Uh, yeah, no rain today like we had yesterday, but I guess uh, you guys are uh, getting it out there, Jamie, and, uh, in Las Vegas. But uh, hey, back at Rumble.com, our favorite channel, this is Butter. Body cam shows stabbing suspect fatally shot by police after he stabs four people in an unprovoked attack. Two John Tam priority. Suspect is on uh, where I'm at. Just tried to stab my car. Left on the route. Running up Littleton. Suspect tried to stab two John King's car running up Littleton. 
got him walking now on Havard. Still a knife in his hand. Right hand. Get away. Sir, get away. So we have four people that end up being that end up being injured, not killed, but one critically in a series of unprovoked stabbings in Maryland on Saturday. And so it goes on to say that the suspect was shot and killed by a police officer following a short pursuit. And that was what Montgomery County police said. So the police revealed that nearly uh, two simultaneous reports of stabbings in Silver Spring shortly before 1040 in the morning, actually local time, one at a thrift shop and the other was at a location nearby. So responding officers ultimately find three women and a man suffering from stab wounds in the area and they render aid. Two of the women have been stabbed in the neck. So civilian witnesses, they end up pointing uh, responding officers in the direction of the suspect that, that he traveled in, actually, and, and it was towards a wooded area. So he's located at approximately 1047 in the morning. Now, I'll tell you in advance, I'm going to be critical of the cop on this. There's a suspect confronts a police, police cruiser while armed with a 12-inch butcher knife. This cop, who I believe someone had played a joke on the cop in the video, because it's obvious to me that someone had superglued his, his, his ass to the seat. That guy, it was he was incapable of, of getting out of that car. So he just, uh, he sees the bad guy. Bad guy's got the knife. So approaches the cruiser, and the cop steps on the gas, drives by him. Does a, can't even, not enough room to turn around. So you got to do like a three-point turn. Comes back, and this goes on and on. Suspect comes out, and the cop just keeps driving by him. Never gets out of the car. And, yeah, I'm going from memory because it made that much of an impression on me. You've got another guy working on his car with a hood up on the street while this Kid is running back and forth with this like 12 inch knife in his hand. And the cop, I know, is not oblivious to that fact because he had already stopped and rolled his window down and talked to the guy working on his car that's outside that could be a victim and all this stuff going down. So, so the suspect confronts a police cruiser. He's armed with a 12 inch butcher knife. Suspect doesn't comply with demand, uh, demands from the officers to drop the knife and he lunges towards an officer leading to a shooting. What they really don't tell you is just that finally, thank God, another officer shows up that has the capability of getting out of the car because his pants aren't super glued to the seat. And he gets on the sidewalk, commands this guy, charges at him with a 12-inch butcher knife, and the guy keeps charging, and he puts bullets on target. Doesn't wait till he gets too close where he's going to hit him like with a hammer. He takes care of business. But finally, our cop that's stuck to the car and super glued to the seat has the capability to tear his uniform away from the from the, uh, from the the car seat, gets out, and he goes 10-15 with a dead corpse that the other guy ended up shooting in the sidewalk with a knife and takes credit for the, you know, for the collar, as they say up north. So just a wild scene. Um, I'm amazed that no one else got injured. I'm sorry for all the additional commentary. I should have left it to you guys, but I'm just beside myself. Um, so guys, take it over. Not everybody at once, but the floor, the floor is yours. Whoever wants it first. Oh, um, Jamie, Jamie's pointing the call, so <laughs> FBI call, it's all yours, buddy. 
Well, well. Uh, first of all, I, I always defer to the use of force experts, which Jamie or <laughs> Captain, because uh, in, in the FBI, we always had an army whenever we went and arrested or any interacted with, with anybody. Uh, but uh, obviously, driving around in circles it maybe not be the best tactical option for him. Uh, so with that, I'm going to send that over to Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> See, you netted me. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and so I'm I'm going to give you and I've talked about I've talked about these kinds of videos being emotional conductors, especially for those of us that have in our mind what could be tactically sound. The biggest issue I've got with that, and and Chip, you said this, that he couldn't get out of his car. Did you hear what he said to the other officer when the other officer got out? He said, "Get back in your car." Oh. <laughs> Did you catch that? Uh, he must be an FTO. Well, so he, he yelled at the other officer to stay in. <laughs> he yells at the other officer to stay in his vehicle. So the, the issues, and, and this is looking at this through pure hindsight attribution, and I have to throw that disclaimer in there because of my, my position in, in this expertise. Um, the bigger issue is, is that this subject has already stabbed four people. That's why they're there. He's a danger to the public. I didn't have an issue with him backing away initially. What I thought was going to happen is that he was going to pull back and run him down and, and, and stop him and get, in, get out and take him into custody, which that's, that's a viable use of that vehicle as protection. And, you know, this isn't to shoot first and ask questions later. He just tried to stab the guy's car. The, he states that over the radio. He just tried to stab my vehicle. So this is, this is laying out intention, right? We, we, we know there's an intentional thing. Where it starts to get problematic for me in terms of if I were the sergeant on this crew, looking, talking to my guys saying, what do you know about this scene and how are we going to handle this next time, right? In, in the very rare occasion that we get a duplicated novel incident, um, that guy's a, a harm a harmful individual and will stab anyone who's in proximity he's already done it that's not a probability it is and it, it is a a fact he's done it and we will and have to assume that he's going to do it again so driving in circles around this guy where he's uh, he's running he could have run into a house i'm i'm literally stressing out and and if i were conducting an analysis the first thing i would want to know is why did it make sense to that officer to stay in his vehicle and drive in circles and when i get that information that doesn't necessarily mean it's appropriate that just means that i know what was the, what the thought process was doesn't mean it's going to align with anything it might make sense to that officer and and we all know it doesn't make sense to us we it it, it made no sense to us looking at this video why did it make sense to him? Now, when we find out why it does make sense to him, rest assured, we, we still may find that it's inappropriate. And I, looking at it from, you know, the Monday morning quarterback position like we're doing here, it didn't make sense to me. And, and I saw a bigger issue that it put that other officer in a position where he now had to come out and, and, and address this subject. The, one of the big issues in that is he was in a direct crossfire with the guy who did finally get out of his vehicle and 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 you know the officer that's taking shots at a subject with a 12 inch butcher knife is not thinking about where that other officer is we talked about this yesterday the focus of attention is square on that deadly threat and now we've got a potential blue on blue scenario with no thought being given to that and the outcome didn't 
end up with that. But had it ended up with that, whose fault is it? Is it the guy who was desperately trying to de-escalate and, and disengage for the well-being of a, of a, a knife-wielding suspect? Or is it the officer that got out and instantly engaged, used deadly force, stopped the threat, but accidentally hit another officer? That's where it runs awry for me. All right. Well, Colin, I must admit, when that officer finally got out of the, uh, out of the car, I, I, would, I would argue that I don't consider that de-escalation. I'm sorry. I, see, I, I view it as either as, as cowardice. But I was looking for a patch of clothing to be missing from the rear of his pants when he was running towards the bad guy that was already deceased. I just, I swear, I couldn't believe that there was not, I couldn't see freaking white, you know, you know, what, white fruit of the looms, you know. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. And, and so let me let me let me jump on and piggyback on what you just said we got, about we got, de-escalation. we got a minute and a half left. So go ahead. All right. I'll make it quick. De-escalation, like I said on the, the last show I was on, is not a tactic. And that's my point. He's going to be deemed as somebody who's trying to de-escalate this situation by staying in his car and fit and not engaging. That's not de-escalation. De-escalation is what happened with the other officer that stopped the threat. We the may boy. have to escalate force to de-escalate an otherwise out of control or dangerous scenario. I got it. Real quick, is is this officer applying a new personal deadly force policy because he has a liberal prosecutor or liberal DA in that area and now he's adjusting his because he's a senior guy and he might be near retirement so he's waiting for the other guys to come up so they can adopt the risk and he can and he can take a step back. Oh. You may, he may be on to something. I was so like you, Jamie. I was so waiting for him to like, just to like, oh, he's going to do the car thing. He's going to like turn around. Guy comes at him again. He's they got the guy working on the car right there, 100, you know, 50 feet away. Take him out. But no. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it is, it can be disheartening. Let me talk for another minute over your 30 second uh, window here just to stress you out. You and the well, you got, you got Yeah. <laughs> you got 25. <laughs> <laughs> No, anyways, yeah, as a, as a hindsight attribute, there are things I would certainly uh, replicate with one officer, things I would certainly change, and things I would absolutely 100% avoid. All right, well, look, thanks, gentlemen. Now, hey, Colin, we've, uh, I, we're towards the end of the show, but we're going to cut into Randy Sutton's time, and I want you to talk about, you know, Cronus Investigation, so the floor is yours. Cronus uh, Investigations, that's uh, C-H-R-O-N-O-S-I-N-V dot com. I am uh, pr- uh, private investigations and forensic accounting as well as fraud risk assessments. Those can be done, on, done online. If you got an employee that's embezzling, give me a call and I can help you out. Right. And even though he's in California, folks, does not mean that he can't help you out remotely because thank God for the computer age and technology. It's just a beautiful thing. So uh, so thanks. Appreciate that. Hey, also the Wounded Blue at the WoundedBlue.org. Uh, that is uh, Lieutenant Randy Sutton's company helping cops out there in a world of hurt, uh, mostly like PTSD issues, but other medical issues that the, maybe the agency's not covering them for. So the Wounded Blue at the WoundedBlue.org. Check them out as well. Um, hey, uh, thanks for a critical instant review for being on the show. Also, a shout out to our sponsors, Motion DSP, Goals, GlobalOrdinance.com, Gunlearn.com, on Medicare.live, and Bang Energy. Thanks for the fuel. Brian Burns with the TampaFP.com and Ray Dietrich, RedVoiceMedia.com. Thanks for the support. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week and weekend, guys.